Mai Govanen Melonin, and thanks for tuning in to Speak, Friend, and Enter Deep Lore. This is where I take the dense and ecclesiastical stories from the Silmarillion and do my darndest to make them accessible to nerds and non-nerds alike. I'm Leah, and I read the books so you don't have to. Today, we're talking about the sixth chapter of the Silmarillion of Feanor and the Unchaining of Melkor. This period of time, when the three kindreds of elves, the Vanyar, the Noldor, and the Teleri are all represented in Valinor and Melkor is imprisoned, is called the Noontide of the Blessed Realm, the fullness of its glory and its bliss, long in tales of years, but in memory too brief. During this time, the Noldoran elves invent written language. The first system of written language is invented by the lore master Rumil of Tyrion upon Tuna. He invents one system of writing fit for engraving in metal and stone, and one for writing on paper with a brush or pen. Then Feanor is born. His mother, Miriel, was called Thrinde, or Needlewoman, because she had more skill in weaving and needlework than any other elf. But, as we spoke of in our last Deep Lore episode, she does not survive Feanor's birth. She names him, and then says to her husband Finway, the king of the Noldor, Never again shall I bear child, for strength that would have nourished the life of many has gone forth into Feanor. Miriel goes to the gardens of Lorien to rest, and Finway grieves that she won't be present for their son's childhood. Miriel says, It is indeed unhappy, and I would weep if I were not so weary, but hold me blameless in this and in all that may come after. She goes to sleep in Lorien, and her spirit departs to the halls of Mandos. The maidens of Este the Healer tend to her body, and Finway goes often to sit and speak with her, but her spirit, or Fea, is gone, and after a long time, Finway stops going to Lorien altogether. Then, Finway gives all his love to Feanor, who grows up tall and handsome and masterful, his eyes piercingly bright and his hair raven-dark in the pursuit of all his purposes eager and steadfast. Few ever changed his courses by counsel, none by force. Feanor takes it upon himself to improve the work of Rumil, the loremaster, and creates what he considers better systems of writing. Those systems live on throughout the ages. The elven script you've seen in all the props in the Lord of the Rings movies, including the engraving on the One Ring itself, is called Tengwar, and in-universe it was invented by Feanor. He also discovers how to make with skill jewels greater and brighter than those that can be found on Earth. The first gems that Feanor made were white and colorless, but being set under starlight they would blaze with blue and silver fires brighter than Iluin, and other crystals he made also, wherein things far away could be seen small but clear as with the eyes of the eagles of Manway. There are different interpretations of this passage, but it seems to say that Feanor invents prisms as well as the palantiri, or the seeing stones that Saruman uses to communicate with Sauron. Feanor marries Nerdanel, the daughter of one of the greatest smiths among the Noldoran elves, and from his father-in-law he learns a great deal about crafting things from metal and stone. Nerdanel has a strong will and is patient, desiring to understand minds rather than to master them. She bears seven sons to Feanor, and at first she restrains Feanor's more destructive impulses, but eventually she realizes she doesn't want to spend the rest of her life apologizing for him and they become estranged. 
At this time, Finway, the king of the Noldor, marries for a second time. He marries a Vanyaran elf woman named Indis. Feanor is, as you can imagine, given what you've learned of his temperament, not happy about his dad remarrying. He has no love for Indis, nor for his two half-brothers, Fingolfin and Finarfin. He avoids them, keeping busy with crafting or exploring Amon. The Silmarillion drops some delightful foreshadowing here. In those unhappy things which later came to pass, and in which Feanor was the leader, many saw the effect of this breach within the house of Finway, judging that if Finway had endured his loss and been content with the fathering of his mighty son, the courses of Feanor would have been otherwise, and great evil might have been prevented. For the sorrow and the strife in the house of Finway is graven in the memory of the Noldoran elves. But the children of Indus were great and glorious, and their children also, and if they had not lived, the history of the Eldar would have been diminished. Now, the noontide of Valinor begins to come to a close. Melkor has completed his sentence, living alone in the prison of Mandos for three ages. As Manwë, the king of the Valar, promised, Melkor is brought before the thrones of the Valar. He looked upon their glory and their bliss, and envy was in his heart. He looked upon the children of Iluvatar that sat at the feet of the mighty, and hatred filled him. He looked upon the wealth of bright gems, and he lusted for them, but he hid his thoughts and postponed his vengeance. So Melkor has never been more full of anger or hatred, but he decides to play the long game. Melkor humbles himself in front of the Valar and the Eldar, and he begs for their forgiveness. He promises that even if he is made the lowliest of living creatures, he will aid the Valar in their works and in healing the wounds he had done to the world. Nienna, the therapist Vala, aids his prayer, but Mandos, the keeper of the Houses of the Dead, stays silent. Manwë indeed grants Melkor pardon, but the Valar keep him under house arrest. He must stay within the city of Valmar of Many Bells. But Melkor is a great manipulator, and he plays well the part of the wise penitent. Both the Valar and the Eldar come to seek his counsel, and eventually he is allowed to travel freely. Manwë believes that Melkor's evil is cured because Manwë is not evil and thus can't comprehend it. In the beginning, when Eru Iluvatar created the Ainur, Manwë and Melkor had been the most alike, so Manwë is biased and wants to believe the best of him. He can't see that all love has departed from Melkor forever. But Olmo, Lord of Waters, never trusts Melkor, and in particular, Tulkas the Strong clenched his hands whenever he saw Melkor his foe go by. For if Tulkas is slow to wrath, he is slow also to forget. But Manwë is their king, and despite their suspicions, they abide by his ruling. Melkor hates the Eldar most of all because he sees them as the reason for the rise of the Valar and his own downfall. So he pours on the friendship for them even harder, offering his service in matters of lore and labor. The Vanyaran elves view him with suspicion because they live in the light of the trees and they are content. They aren't interested in anything he's offering. Melkor ignores the Teleran elves because he sees them as too small in stature for his purposes. But the Noldoran elves, a lineage which includes Finway the king, Feanor, Turgon the lord of Gondolin, Galadriel, Elrond, and many others, took delight in the hidden knowledge that he could reveal to them, and some hearkened to words that it would have been better for them never to have heard. Later, Melkor will claim that Feanor had studied under him, and that Melkor was responsible for Feanor's greatest works. But this is a lie, because none of the Eldar ever hate Melkor more than Feanor does. Remember when Gandalf drops the name a Balrog of Morgoth? 
As we talked about in the deep lore episode about the Aina Lindale, Morgoth is something we will later call Melkor. After what Melkor commits what Feanor considers to be his greatest crime, Feanor is the person who renames him Morgoth, the dark enemy of the world. And though Feanor is led astray by Melkor's lies and made to distrust the Valar, it is in service of himself and not Melkor. Feanor was driven by the fire of his own heart only, working ever swiftly and alone, and he asked the aid and sought the counsel of none that dwelt in Amman, great or small, save only and for a little while of Nerdanel the Wise, his wife. That's going to be it for this episode of Speak, Friend, and Enter Deep Lore. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Those reviews really help people find the show. If you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, please email us at speakfriendpod at gmail.com. You can check out the show's Twitter at speakfriendpod for official pod stuff and visual aids, and my personal Twitter is at askistwin, that's I-S-T-W-E-N. We'll have a regular episode up in two weeks, and next month we'll have another deep lore episode about the next chapter of the Silmarillion, of the Silmarils and the unrest of the Noldor, and we'll learn about the creation of the Silmarils, Melkor's seeding descent among the Noldoran elves, and the consequences of being a dick to your half-brother. Until next time, Muhu Torgizu Turuguskin.